0: So, if you have served or are currently serving in our military, if you've served in any branch of the military, would you stand, please? Disappeared there now, yeah. We, uh, we, wanted, we wanted to say thank you to, this, to you this morning. We, we actually have someone. Uh, you can be seated. We, we actually have someone who has uh, been back in the United States for about a month now. Uh, Staff Sergeant Tyler Williams uh, is with us uh, and his wife, Olivia, their son, Logan. Uh, you are an F-15 uh, crew chief. You were stationed the last three years in uh, Lakenheath, England, correct? You were deployed to Turkey during that time. In your seven years of service, you also were in Kuwait for part of that time, correct? And and again, you've been home for a month now. So, welcome back to the United States of America. And for those of you who have or are serving, thank you for serving our country. Uh, Memorial Day, of course, listen, we we want to applaud those. We always want to recognize those who serve our country. But this weekend is specifically about remembering those who paid a price, as the video said, a, a price that we wish no one had to pay, right, for our freedom. They've lost their lives serving our country so that we might have freedom and the peace, did you notice that? And the peace that comes with freedom. From the, from the war we fought uh, for our nation to begin to today, we fight for freedom. We continue to fight for that freedom and the peace that comes with freedom. So as we, you know, we're in this series, The King and His Kingdom, Would it surprise you to find out that's not just a country thing? That's not just a United States thing. That's actually something Jesus fights for in our lives. He fights for freedom in our lives and the peace that comes with that Uh, freedom. So today what we're going to do is we're going to see Jesus interact with someone who did not have either in his life. He did not have freedom and he did not have peace. And maybe you've come this morning and freedom and the peace that is supposed to accompany it. Accompany it is something that seems to be eluding you in your life. Something's not right. And my hope is that today uh, you'll be able to see what God wants for you and that you will accept that. So if you have your Bible, turn to John chapter five. John chapter five is where we're gonna be if you have your phone or uh, some sort of smart device. Uh, I don't know if, I wanna recommend if you don't, you get the Bible app uh, for several reasons. Number one, it's just good on a daily basis, but I was walking a group of friends through this this past week. Our notes are actually on the Bible app. So if you have this, if you open your Bible app and you go down to this guy right down here uh, and you press on that, that will open up this page page uh, and you go to events just press on events and when that opens you will see this and look who's right at the top yeah we are so uh if you click on that what you'll do is you will get you'll see the the verses all the scripture we will read today as well as all of our notes and if you love listen if you love filling in blanks don't go there they're already filled in All right. So you don't, if you like filling in blanks, you don't want to look at that. But uh, it is good to have the scripture there for you already. So John chapter five, it's already there at the U version. If you find it there, uh, beginning in verse one, sometime later, Jesus went up to Jerusalem for one of the Jewish festivals. Now there is in Jerusalem near the sheep gate, a pool, which in Aramaic is called Bethesda and which is surrounded by five covered Colonnades. Now, Jesus and his disciples have been in Galilee, and he has been teaching and gaining in popularity. Large crowds are beginning to gather to hear him, and they've been getting. The crowds have been getting more and more significant, and so Jesus decides to head from Galilee down to uh, Jerusalem it's a trip of about 100 to 125 miles and verse 1 tells us that he's going to attend one of the feasts of the Jews verse 2 says he goes in by the sheep gate which may mean nothing to you i uh, may not mean anything to most of us but if you were coming from the north into Jerusalem what we're reading here is the sheep gate is the main entrance into the city so jesus enters into the main entrance into jerusalem we're told that because right near there is this pool called bethesda there's a legend about this pool that it was a place of healing and as legend had it an angel of god would come down dip his wing into the water and when the water was stirred the first one into the pool would be Healed, And history tells us that hundreds and hundreds of people would gather around this pool and wait for the water to be stirred so that they could get in and be healed. It's not unlike some modern places today, like Lourdes in south of France, where many people, the spa, where many people believe that the water is engaged by God and has healing power or the shrine of Guadalupe outside of Mexico City. Thousands and thousands of crutches are stacked against the wall. Bethesda had... This kind of allure as a place of healing. There are five covered porches built around this pool and people would come and they would spend their day watching and waiting for the water to move. Verse three uh, says that a great number of disabled people used to lie there, the blind, the lame, the paralyzed. One who was there had been an invalid for 38 years. And so when Jesus saw him lying there and learned that he'd been in this condition for a long time, he asked him, do you want to get well? Now, a great number of lame and blind and paralyzed people are in this place, and Jesus zeroes in on one. For whatever reason, he locks onto one person, uh, and this person has been an invalid for 38 years. Thirty-eight years years now we don't know how old this guy was we don't know how long he has been an invalid how long he's been paralyzed uh if, if maybe he's only 38 years old and it's been from birth maybe he's older and something had happened and now he is paralyzed but we know that he's been paralyzed for 38 years and when Jesus saw him laying there and he learned that he'd been in that condition for a long time longer than some of us have been alive right some longer than some of us have been alive he asks him do you want to get well now, does that sound does, that, does that sound like an odd question to ask this guy? I mean, this, this man has been an invalid for a long time. How long has he been an invalid? 38 years. He's been an invalid for 38 years, and he's in this place. Why do people come to this place in particular? They come to this place to be healed, right? They come to get well. Listen, what would you do if someone came up to you and asked you that kind of question? I don't know about you, sometimes I can get kind of snarky, especially if it's been hot outside and I've been out there for a while. Healing, healing, I'm here for the atmosphere. Take in the smells, you know, of sick people. Smell the smells. Healing, I'm not even paralyzed. I'm just hoping to get workers comp. You know, something, something just, you know, if, it would be like going into a hospital to the critical care unit and finding a patient there and asking them if they'd like to get better. It would be like if you've been waiting to get into a restaurant for 25, 30, 40 minutes, and someone comes up to you and says, would you like something to eat? I mean, it's it's just, is Jesus, listen, why is he asking him this question? This guy has been sick for 38 years, and Jesus asks him if he wants to be well. Why would he ask that? Is he just making polite conversation? Did he run out of things to say? Is this just small talk? I think Jesus asked this question Because this is the question that needs answered. See, I think Jesus' question reveals the heart of the matter. But I believe that about all of Jesus' questions. Listen, I, I, I want to say that even a little bit more strongly. I don't think Jesus asked questions because he didn't know the answer. He's the son of God. He knows the answer to the question before he asks it. If you have, I think Jesus asks, asks questions not because he didn't know the answer. I think he's after something else. If you have your Bible open or the app open, flip back a couple chapters to chapter two, John chapter two. Jesus is at a wedding in Cana, and they run out of wine. And his mother Mary comes to him and and asks and says do do whatever he tells you she tells the stewards we he tells you we've run out of wine stewards you do anything that he tells you and he turns to her and says why do you involve me do you think he really didn't know why she wanted to involve him do you think he didn't know what he was about to do before she even came up to him a couple of chapters later in chapter four jesus meets a woman at the well And he asked her this question, will you give me a drink? Do you really think Jesus was thirsty? Maybe maybe he was thirsty. But don't you think he was actually hoping to take care of her thirst? Because he already knew what was going on in her life. Wasn't that the heart of the matter? In chapter 6, 5,000 men have followed Jesus and and they've listened to Jesus teach all day. And now it's dinner time and they're hungry. And Jesus turns to the 12 and says, where shall we buy bread for these people to eat? Don't you think Jesus already knew who was providing dinner that night? Why did he ask them that question, right? Listen, he didn't ask it because he needed to know the answer. He asked this paralyzed man this question because the paralyzed man needed to know the answer. Look how he responds, as a matter of fact, in verse 7. Sir, I don't have anyone to help me into the pool when the water is stirred. I mean, when I'm trying to get in, someone else goes down." ahead of me. Ah, 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 ah. Of course, this makes sense. He's paralyzed. The water gets stirred. He's trying to get into the water. Of course, everyone else, how could he possibly get into the water by himself? No one helps. Man, 38 years is a long time to be at this pool and have no one help you it kind of makes you wonder how he ate doesn't it i mean it's not like the hamburger wagon came by right Domino's wasn't delivering right so 38 years is a long time to go without eating if he didn't have anyone helping him how was he possibly getting anything to eat Or or what about what he wore? I mean, certainly he's not wearing the same clothes. In 38 years, they would have rotted off of him by then. It's kind of like, have you ever taken, I don't know if you've ever taken a young, a child to camp, like a fifth grader to camp, and whatever they're wearing when you take them on Sunday, and you get all their stuff packed up real neatly in their suitcase, and when you go to pick them up on Saturday, seven days later, that outfit looks strangely like the one they wore Sunday. And when you open up their suitcase, there's all those clothes still neatly packed right inside, right? The suitcase. And some, listen, someone had to be bathing this guy. It's been 38 years. After one year, he would have smelled so badly. He'd have been the only one left at the pool. And listen, he can't be lying in his own filth. Someone had to be helping this guy. But here's what I think happens. I think this guy's answer reveals the heart of the man. I think there's something in what he says that's telling us something about him. And that reply, there's at least two truths about him. Here's the first one. I'm not sure he really wanted to get better. I don't know that he wanted to. Partly I say that because I wonder if this man is like others uh, who don't know that they're paralyzed. And some of you may be thinking to yourself, are you, that is such an insensitive thing to say. I can't believe you would say that. What are you talking about? This man has been paralyzed for 38 years. How could he not know he's not paralyzed, right? Listen, I know he couldn't move his legs. But what I wonder is maybe he didn't realize he was paralyzed. And I may be stretching this a bit, but here's why. In Luke chapter 8, Jesus tells this story about a, a farmer who goes out to sow seed, and he throws it in his field. And he tells us that some of the seed fell among thorns which grew up with it. So the seed and the thorns grew up side by side. Now, here's what I'm asking. I'm wondering if this man has been paralyzed for a long time. If he's been paralyzed for a long time, is it possible he forgot what it's like not to be paralyzed? Does he, does he remember? And, and is it possible, here's really what I'm wanting to get at while this stays up here. Is it possible that there are things in our lives today that have been there for so long that we don't remember what it's like for them not to be part of our lives? Does that make sense? And maybe a question like this is the kind of question that a man like this needs to hear. And maybe, maybe it's the kind of question that people like us need to hear this morning. Is it possible that we could look around this room and just take a quick scan and go, yep, million bucks. I mean, we just look great in here this morning. But what if that's not what God sees? What if when God looks into this room, he sees people who sing to him and love him and and, but we need healing in our, not just one or two people. What if he looks around and he sees that all of us still have room for healing in our lives? But for some of us, we've gotten so used to the pain. We've gotten so used to not being a whole person. We just don't see the need to be a whole person anymore. Maybe Satan has made us invalids with things in our lives, and we don't even recognize it because we've just gotten so used to it. And Jesus looks at us, and he says, do you want to be well? And what Satan wants is to keep you paralyzed so you can't grow. And he'll do anything he can to make that happen. And I don't know if maybe you've come in and you've been paralyzed by your temper. And for some reason, I don't, man, you just fly off the handle. Sometimes it's seemingly out of nowhere and you can't seem to control it. And you've just gotten used to it. And people know to avoid you at certain times. Maybe, maybe that's your bed or maybe your bed is guilt. And you did something. Maybe it's not been long ago. Maybe it's a long time ago. But you just cannot see. Listen, God forgives and forgets, but you sure don't. You've held on to this thing and you just feel this horrible guilt over this. Or maybe it's about a sexual relationship that you're in. And I just want to say, regardless of whether you're a teenager or you've been an adult for decades, age makes no difference, sex outside of marriage, is a sin. And maybe this is the thing. You just don't even know how you could get out of this thing. You've been in it for so long, or maybe you're, maybe what you struggle with is drugs and alcohol and you try to give it up and you've tried and you just keep failing and falling back into it. And now you don't even know if you can climb out of this thing, or maybe it's prejudice or racism. And maybe that was handed down. Listen, it's not your fault. It was handed down to you and your family, just from generation to generation to generation. And you've picked it up and run with it just like everyone else. But Jesus says, you can't do that let me take that from you maybe it's something that happened to you maybe it's just recent or maybe it's been a long time ago you just never done anything with it and it's paralyzing you look at what jesus said to that guy get up pick up your mat and walk i mean can you imagine being this paralyzed guy paralyzed for 38, 38 years and you hear Jesus say pick up your mouth. he can't do it he can't do it he couldn't do it for 38 years it's the thing he's not been able to do Jesus is asking him to do the thing he can't do you ever feel like Jesus is asking you to do that Jesus this thing you're asking of me is too much I can't do this thing and yet the very next words are At once the man was cured, he picked up his mat, and he walked. Because there is one more thing I want you to see this morning. I think Jesus' command reveals the heart of God. When Jesus says this to him, there's something about God we need to see. And I'm I'm not even talking about the command to pick up your mat and walk. Go all the way to the bottom. Uh, Verse 14. It's almost the end of our verses, almost the end of the story. Jesus says, stop sinning or something worse he says this to that guy stop sinning or something worse may happen to you (laughs) something worse worse than being paralyzed for 38 years what could be worse than that And here's where i think we god we see his heart and how big it is and how much further down the road he sees because while it's true that god is concerned for us in this lifetime he's also concerned for us in the next lifetime the time to come because when God looks at you and me, he doesn't just see people he wants to spend a lifetime with. He sees people he wants to spend an eternity with. And Jesus, you know what? I don't. There's something about this story that bugs me, and I don't know if it bugs you or not. Jesus didn't heal everyone at the pool. Did you, Have you ever read this story and wondered that? Uh, I don't know why he didn't. And I'll tell you, sometimes I struggle with this. Why he didn't that day, why he, have you ever wondered why some people you pray for, they're healing and God heals them and other people you pray for them and he doesn't. And sometimes we lose them. They lose their life. It's not, I don't understand that. I can't explain why God does some and not others. But I do know this. Jesus didn't come to make us physically whole. That's not why he came came to make us holy. And while he didn't heal everyone, he did die for everyone so that something worse might not happen to us. And he's looking in your eyes this morning and he sees right where you are. And because you really do matter to God, he's asking you, He's not going to make you. He's not going to force this. But he's asking, do you want to be healed? And some of us are followers of Jesus. And maybe like me, when you gave your life to him, you honestly meant to turn over every area of your life. But I wonder if like me, what you find out is sometimes you uncover or discover a part of your life that you didn't turn over to him. You thought you had, but, but you didn't. And so there's more in your life that needs turned over to him. And so, I don't know about you, but when I discover those things, I try just as quickly as I can just to turn that over to God and say, I'm really sorry, I thought, you, I thought I'd thought i given it, to, I want to make sure you have this too, and so I turned it over to them. But, but there's some that I did know was there, so there's things in my life that I did know was there, and I thought maybe I could still hold on to them and follow Jesus. <laughs> and I can't. And you can't. And either we let go or it becomes hard to follow him because it's hard to follow when you're paralyzed. It's hard to follow Jesus if you allow this thing to stay in your life and paralyze you. Or maybe, maybe, you know, I can still go to church so it looks like I'm following. <laughs> I mean, I'm singing the songs, I'm, I'm listening, but I'm not really following, I'm just watching. And Jesus wants you to follow. And so what he's asking is, don't you want to be healed? You've been like this a long time. Don't you want to be healed? You know, others have never given their lives to Jesus. And maybe you've gone to church a long time. Maybe you've even been involved. You've just never turned yourself over to him. You've never been immersed in him. Healing begins for you in the water. Total dedication. Not playing around not just observing, not just watching. 100% obedience begins when you turn yourself over to God. Now, if you remember, I told you there were two things that the man's response revealed about him. I only shared one of you. The the other one's at the bottom of your notes. You ready? He didn't know who Jesus was. Isn't that interesting? Uh, In verse 7, this is how we know this. In verse 7, he calls him Sir. And in verse 13... He even says, I have no idea who this guy is. He didn't know who Jesus was. Isn't that interesting? Why do you suppose that was? You know, I wonder if maybe Jesus hadn't been in Jerusalem yet. I mean, this is John chapter 5, so we're still early in the book, right? I mean, maybe Jesus just hasn't poked his nose into Jerusalem yet and made his name known. But in John chapter 2, we find out that not only has Jesus been in Jerusalem already, but many people saw the signs he was performing They saw his miracles, and they believed in him because of them. Jesus had been in Jerusalem with the ability to heal, and nobody went to this pool and told the people who were there because they were lame and blind and paralyzed. They obviously needed healed, and nobody told them the ones who were desperately in need of Jesus to heal their broken lives. Could you believe that would happen in that day? Wouldn't it be tragic if it happened in ours that the ones who knew Jesus and what he's capable of wouldn't tell their friends whose lives are broken and need healing how much Jesus cares for them? Listen, it's why we're here to share with those who do not know Jesus, the freedom that comes with him and the peace that accompanies that freedom. Freedom. That day, that man met Jesus and he was reminded or he found out for the very first time he really did matter to God and then Jesus changed his life forever. And maybe, maybe today something's happened. Maybe you've been listening for a long time. Maybe you've been reading, maybe in thinking about it and something just clicked into place for you this morning. Maybe it was a song we sang. Maybe it was something that weena said. Maybe it's something we've been talking about or you've been looking at here. And you are ready. You have determined already. You already know. You already know it's time. It's time to turn your life over because your commitment begins with your decision to give yourself to him in the waters of baptism. You know, this past Friday, two young men came over and were baptized into Christ. And I'm just thinking, maybe that's your next step. And it's time. Listen, before we leave, I want to I give you this one last thought. And part of it's on your notes. Viktor Frankl was a Holocaust survivor And he spoke of his fellow prisoners in a Nazi concentration camp, and he said, Some of these prisoners who yearned so desperately for their freedom had been held captive so long that when they were eventually released, they walked out into the sunlight, and they blinked nervously, and then they silently walked back into the familiar darkness of the prison to which they had become accustomed for such a long time. Because the darkness of the prison was easier than the light of freedom. I just want to say, you may have some folks who are struggling with that as well. Maybe it's you, maybe it's your friends, and they just don't know. They just don't know. Listen, here's what we're going to do. Won't we stand together? And uh, and I'm going to pray as we close. This weekend, I hope that not only will you remember those who gave their lives for our freedom, they lost their lives, that we might be free. But I hope you'll be keenly aware that God will use your life to help your friends who do not know Jesus. And the freedom that comes with him and the peace that follows that sometimes doesn't even make sense with what's going on around us. Listen, the peace, freedom, and the peace that follows is not just possible for our nation. It's possible for our friends and our family. And we have all been put uniquely in a place in their life to let them see it in our own and to hear about it so that they can be drawn to it as well. Listen, won't we we close with prayer? God, thank you for this reminder (laughs) that as our country celebrates this the price that was paid for our freedom. That, that's what the king wants. That's what our king wants for us. That we would have, not just in this lifetime, but for eternity, God, that there would be a freedom that we would get to enjoy. And this peace that just follows that freedom. God, thank you for allowing us to be an example to others. Thank you for allowing other people to see our lives. And as they look at us, they get to see you. And we pray that we will help our friends know just how much you love them and how much you want them to know that freedom. God, we pray that you'll use us this weekend. As we celebrate, as we have fun, as we laugh, as we tell stories, as we gather with family and friends. May we make the most of these opportunities, we pray in the name of your son, Jesus. Amen. Have a great Memorial Day weekend.